Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Hello and welcome to Trots Live. The voice is just, it's just holding up. I get too excited. I scream, I yell. Things happen, but it's okay. It's Victoria Cup week, so why not? And we've got the most important players, or one of the one of the big partnership on the line right now. I can hit the Clippy cloppy of horses, hooves in the background. Emma Stewart, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, where should we start? There's so much to unpack here. How about we talk about the Oaks first of all? Um, so we've got we've got a couple drawn very well off the front row, but it still looks a little bit tricky with who's drawn inside you. I think Relentless Me's drawn one in that prize easy feed Victoria Oaks final. Pettyonte's going really well in gate three and Cypher gate four. Could be good, could be sticky. Beach life outside the front row and Soho Historia and Joe and Joe in, off the second row. What do you think is going to happen early here? I don't, I don't really I don't, know. No, uh, no. <laughs> there's a bit of heat off the, of the front row. So it's, yeah, it's a little bit tricky, you know, um, Penelope will go forward, Cypher will go forward, you know, Just Hope's most likely to. It's really tricky, so we're just sort of going to have to weigh it up. But, um, you know, if Penelope happened to find the front, you know, she would hold. Um, but, yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just really not sure. Is it is it reasonable to say, my, like, I'm not even sure about this, but my initial thoughts are if Relentless Me was able to hold the front, it might want to keep the front. If Just Hope flies across, even though she led at heat level – that she probably would hand up to one of the two of yours. Is that is that kind of how you're reading it without either of us being very certain? That Just Hope would hand up to one of us? I think so. Yeah, well, more likely than – I've got a funny feeling Relentless Me might just – if he was able to hold everything, I think it might just hold everyone out. But I've got a funny feeling Just Hope might hand up to something if it was able to fly across and find the front early. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure, sort of, um, you know, Nathan's been driving her pretty confident and I'm pretty sure I don't think he'd hand up to us. Um, but if they don't, you know, um, we've got a couple off the front row, so we can put uh, a lot more pressure on this week than we did in the heats. And, um, you know, uh, if Relentless Me wanted to hold up this week, you know, it'd be copping a fair bit more pressure. Now, one of the great fun games I love to play with you, Em, is... Let's rank your runners because you've always got so many in the big races that we get to do a little bit of a, a ranking system. Um, Soho's story is the interesting one. So I'm, I'm assuming in Cypher is the number one seed. And then where do we go from there? Um, I think Penelante or Pettyante, however we say it, um, it's probably equal one within Cypher. You know, if she happened to find the front, you know, she would definitely hold. And in Cypher, I had to sit outside her, you know, it'd be awfully hard for her. Um, so I think they're even. Um, so her story actually pulled last week, which is unusual for her because she's never done that for us before. So, um, you know, her draw looked bad when it came out, but, you know, with all the heat off the front row, you know, she might come into play. So, um, you know, she's definitely probably the, the third ranked and then the, the other fillies are sort of behind her. I get the feeling the star celebrity might be good enough, but just isn't quite isn't quite ready in there yet. Is that, is that a reasonable assessment? She's definitely good enough, but, uh, you know, her manners aren't 100% and she can over-race a little bit. But, um, 
she's definitely got the ability of all our other ones, just mentally not quite there. Uh, by the way, you've only given two of the potential pronunciations for Petillon. It's Petillon, Petillonte, <laughs> Petillant, Petillonte, Petillant. I've, I've heard them all, to be honest. So, um, I'm, I'll just go with Amelia. I can pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I think I change anyway. Right, Victoria Cup's a big one. Also sponsored by Pride's Easy Feed. Now, I reckon back in the day, Honolulu Bay looked like it had three, four, five-star gate speed. And it, when it's drawn the front of more recent times, it hasn't got out as quickly, but I think that's been a decision between you and Clayton not to try and burn him up early. But is this the time where we have to say, let's go as fast as we can at the start, boy? Yeah, we're going to have to sort of talk to Anderson's about that because we have been pretty conservative with him because he can sort of tend to over-race and he had like a breathing problem um, back in the day. So, um, you know, we're sort of probably going to have to talk with them and see what they want to do because his draw is awfully tricky there. I, you know what, if it went the other way and he had to go back, it might not be the worst thing in the world, might it? Because I, I don't know what's going to happen here. We're going to speak with Luke McCarthy a little bit later. Um, there's already been uh, a good indication they're going to press the button at the start, but better Eclipse might have a little bit more speed than we've seen. Rock and Roll Do's going to want to be on the scene. So I'm not entirely sure this Victoria Cup won't be one from a, a very good horse like Honolulu Bay off the speed if he had to go back in. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's, there's a lot of decisions that have to get made with the front row because, you know, if better equips get the front pretty easy, you know, he's probably going to be really hard to beat. So um, they sort of have to put their horses into play. So um, going back is probably not the worst thing for him and hopefully he settles a little bit better this week and, he, you know, he sort of he pulled a little bit too hard in his run last week. So um, hopefully the heat's on, he goes back and, you know, he gets a nice run. Uh, like a wildfire and or Macdown, Mac have they got any... Legitimate winning hope. I mean, if I put a line through like a wildfire last start, I'd still be giving him a winning hope, but I don't know where he's at after that. That's probably not how he loves to race the best, though. No, it was a shocking drive from last, last week. <laughs> I tried to be. Uh, I tried yeah. to be more diplomatic there, but Em, you've gone. You've gone the step further. That's terrific. Shocking drive. Love it. Well, I'm pretty blunt. You know, yeah. he's a he's he's a high speed horse and sort of likes getting driven cold. So um, I don't think he can take anything um, away from him after that run. You know, it wasn't his fault. So he's definitely winning hope and he's trained on good stints. And Mac Dan's a lovely horse. He's been working good, but first up's a little bit tricky for him. Now we move on to the down by the seaside. You might be having a party down by the seaside if you win the Victoria Derby final with uh, Captain Ravishing. Um, He's really grown in esteem. I asked you last night privately, but I have to ask on air because ladies in red, there's so much promotion around her and she's going to be in leg one of the Elizabeth Clark Triple Crown, the Make Mine Callan on Saturday night. Um, who's, I know the answer, but who's the better horse, ladies in red or Captain Ravishing? She's definitely ladies in red at this stage. Yeah. You know, she's sort of got score on the board, you know, ability-wise. Um, I think Captain Ravishing sort of up with her, but he's still got... There's much talk at the moment, and we're, we're going to chat with Grant Dixon a little bit later on as well, about the draw being a big advantage to leap to fame. But um, I feel like Captain Ravishing, he just seems bottomless. What he's done these three runs in different ways over different distances, he just seems like he can do anything. Was he really benefited by the fact that they went relatively slowly and it was a sort of 800-metre race at heat level last week, or has he got the bottom to take off a long way from home here and just keep going? I definitely think he's got the bottom, you know, and I think he's sort of concentrated a little bit more if the speed was more genuine. So um, I think his draw is pretty good because although Leap to Fame's drawn the front row, um, you know, there's a, bit, there's a bit of heat there, and he sort of he won't be allowed to walk around this week. 
How did he pull up from the run? Because, again, that was sort of a, a new test. I know he'd broken records at his first two runs with you guys, but that was a different kind of a test. Did he pull up well? Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he comes through the run well, so um, we're really happy with him. Okay. Best chance of all of these, M, going into Saturday night, or maybe even another race that you know you've got to run around and you can't say ladies in red. Oh, damn. Um <laughs> <laughs> Captain Ravishing still, uh, you know, I think uh, I think he's going to be awfully hard to beat. Is it is it crazy to say? Because it was my opinion that if he'd, uh, and I almost love the weirdnesses about him. You, uh, you probably don't, but I love the fact that he's quirky and eccentric. Would, would he, in your opinion, would he have won by quite a, a margin last week if he didn't hang and do all the things wrong that he did? Yeah, for sure. You know, he's got plenty of character about him. and We sort of let him do that. Um, you know, we try not to be too hard on him and, and it'll come to him because he's got he's got plenty of ability. And like I said, if the, if the race is more genuinely run, I think he'll con- concentrate a hell of a lot more. And that's a very busy week. It always is when we come to these major meetings. So very much appreciate your time, Em, and good luck on Saturday night. No drama, thank you. There's Emma Stewart along with Clayton Tonkin, the number one trainers in Victoria and some people would say this part of the world south of the equator these days and uh, we very, very much appreciate their time because there's a lot of horses to work. Time for a break, we'll come back. It's going to be interview after interview after interview as we try and get all the inside mail as we head towards the Victoria Cup. Well, the climax of the Victoria Cup carnival with the Cup, the Derby, the Oaks, and also the Bill Collins Sprint on Saturday night at Vicarnas Headquarters, Tabcourt Park, Melton. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Hello and welcome back to a very special edition of Trots Life here as we head towards the Group 1 Grand Circuit Victoria Cup. But there are four Group 1s on Saturday night. The Oaks, the Bill Collins, joining the Victoria Cup and also... Arguably the most anticipated race on the night is the Group 1 Victoria Derby final, and one man who's going to have a strong hand to play in that is Grant Dixon. How are you, Grant? Yeah, good, thanks, Jason. Uh, you would have been, uh, without sort of jumping up and down, I don't think that's your style. I don't think you would have been clinking the champagne glasses, but the draw worked out pretty well last night. Yeah, well, I think it, it gave us a, a chance. Um, obviously, the other horse had a, horse, other horse had a drawn, Captain Rubbish had a drawn better than us. You know, we would have been running for second. I think at least this way with the draw, you know, give us a chance of beating him if it's possible. Well, it's it, like it, it's he's, you've half run into a freak, haven't you? And I mean, leap to fame in his own right is, you know, freakish and absolutely outstanding going for a third derby this season, which, you know, very, very, very few three-year-olds do. So, I mean, you know you've got a great horse in your hands. Uh, it's just the other one is we don't know how good it is, I suppose. Well, that's right. You know, he, he's, um, you know, he's still not probably doing things 100% right yet, Captain Ravishing, and he's still winning and running unbelievable times. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're, we're unlucky to run in such, into horse with such such ability. I heard uh, Anthony Butt speaking on uh, Giddy Up with Gareth Hall a little bit earlier, and, and everyone's going to have their opinion on exactly how you get this drive perfect on Saturday night. But, I mean, on face value, does it just seem like Balance up with leap to fame. Try not to do a hell of a, a lot early. Get to the lead as easily as you can, and and probably get running when when you know Captain Ravishing's made his move. Yeah, obviously we just got to keep, you know, taking the race as it pans out, and you know whether we get to the lead or not, you know, you know things will unfold, and to keep you know making decisions as we go. It's not going to be an easy drive, 
And, you know, end of the day, you know, it may, it may not even be a possibility to, to beat him regardless of what I do. So, yeah, we just have to do our best on the night with the circumstances that present itself and, yeah, go from there. Where does he sit with the with the outstanding ones you've had over the course of time? And I'm thinking Colt 31 in particular. Where does where does Leap to Fame sit in your estimation? Oh, he's definitely as good as Colt 31. Um, it just probably just Colt 31's thing that stuck with him was probably was his long jeopardy over a long period of time. Uh, with this fellow, you know, lasts as long as uh, Colt 31. I'm sure, you know, he may end up better than him, but. Yeah, at this point, you know, they've done sort of similar things to this point. So there's not not a lot between them. But, you know, we feel this fellow may have the edge on him. But, you know, like I say, Colt 31 stayed with us for a long time and done a great job for us. What's his best attribute, Grant? Like, I think going into the heats last week, there was so much focus on the fact that, you know, you'd won the New South Wales derby and Captain Ravishing was stepping up to the long trip for the first time and people were talking about the staying prowess but I feel like he's he's leap to fame just one of those horses he's 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 very good at probably everything really Yeah, I, I think he's you know, that's his greatest asset, the fact that he's you know, obviously he hasn't quite got the point to point speed of Captain Ravishing but he's got good speed in his own right and, you know, he stays quite well and he's his race manners have been been good, um, yeah. So he sort of ticks all the boxes, but you know, he just just probably obviously just hasn't quite got the the brilliance of Captain Ravish. You know, we're probably just dead unlucky to to run into a horse that's come along. You know, uh, Emma and Clayton have you know, they've not long had the horse and done a remarkable job with him in realistically a short space of time. So you know, he, he's you know as, as great as he's gone, he's probably got good improvement in him yet, I'd say. Well, it's a bit of friendly fire, isn't it? Because uh, I know that Emma and Clayton stayed with uh, uh, with you up there in, in Queensland and had the time of their lives and didn't want to come home. This doesn't seem fair, does it? You open your house and your home and you show them kindness and you come down here and you've got to tackle Captain Ravishing with Leap to Fame. Yeah, I was, I was a little bit devastated when <laughs> I heard that Clayton said that they were taking over the training of him and I thought, geez, how like him. At the, you know, at that point, they they said they didn't ever had a top line cult at the same year as us. And I thought, well, that's that's handy. But then when they got this fellow, I was, I was fairly worried uh, when he first told me. That's for sure. How close to what we saw on Saturday night? I know for a variety of reasons it was like it was a magnificent race to watch, but it was really down to the last eight hundred meters in many respects. How close to one hundred percent screwed down was Leap to Fame? last week compared to what he'll be this week. Is there much improvement left? Oh, look, Jason, I think me and Trista thought we had him fairly fairly right. Um, we, we think there's probably a tiny bit of improvement with him with just having a run under his belt. Uh, we just hope we have a nice, you know, good week with him here. And, you know, just with a little bit of natural improvement, you know, we might go a bit closer. But, you know, we, we, know, we, we thought we had him fairly right coming down. We knew we had to run 2,700 and you know, we 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 nearly got it right, but it's just you know running to a to a freak. Does the um, the filly that you raced on on Saturday night race Roxy find a race before you go home now? And what, what did you make of her run? Oh, I was happy enough with her, but you know she she just needs to be tucked away and really a good draw, and t- she can race the good ones from a good draw and a, you know a nice soft run. But she, you know, the way the race panned out with the, all the fancies landing where they were, it was always going to be hard for it qualify. I've numbered in two races. I hope she should get a start in one, but I, 
you know, it, it'll be fairly hard for in the races that I enter during. And just talk us through, uh, you know, you've got a massive, a massive operation going up there in Queensland that when you do take, you know, one or two horses down for these big features, even if it's only for a few weeks, um, you know, what goes into that? The people at home, how much trust you have to have in the people at home and, and everyone that's looking after that massive team of horses and they're racing throughout the course of the week while you're down here simply concentrating on trying to get Leap to Fame 100% peaking for this Group 1 race on Saturday night. Yeah, it's a lot of you know extra stress that I'm at home. I don't think they'd actually probably miss me being there, but with Trista being down here with me, um, yeah, that she certainly takes a lot of the workload off them and and gives them good direction and keeps things flying along. But with, you know, Dale's at home and Ogan and he, you know he's he's man in the ship and yeah, he's, he'll, he'll be flat out. But you know, Trista will be home come Monday, so you know, that'll give him a bit of a breathing space. Now there were some very uh, some very good runs in the alternate qualifier for the Down by the Seaside Victoria Derby final on Saturday night. I I can't help but think that this is a two horse race, but I wonder whether I'm disrespecting the likes of Major Perry and Rip, who was so good on Saturday night. Are you thinking to yourself, um, if we can beat Captain Ravishing, we probably win, or are you quite wary of even simply Sam if it can improve from the pole mark and draw? Are there other winning hopes in this derby? Because uh, no, knowing you and knowing racing people, you're going to say yes because, you know, depending on circumstances, they're probably never one or two horse races, are they? No, well, that's the thing. You know, if um, Captain Ravish and myself go to war, it certainly sets it up for one of the others. Like, you know, if Rip's going to be just having a nice soft run up the fence there. And I'm sure if the, the tempo is solid, the gaps will come. And um, and I know if, he, if he's 100%, he'll, he'll be a run on horse, you know, Major Perry's probably got a bit tough from the draw, but he showed last week that he could get over top if they go hard enough. And uh, simply Sam, well, you, you know, you know, Ray Green knows how to win big races too, and he's in the right spot to get the soft run and finish off if they, if they go too hard. Often these derbies aren't. You often see it that the favourites don't win. So. Now, tell. I know we've got a, a job to do on Saturday night, Grant. But before I let you go. What what other plans for Leap to Fame going forward to, for the remainder of the season, and even and even how you plot a path to those big four year olds? Like I guess the Chariots of Fire would be the obvious target early next year. Yeah, well, I was supposed to go to the Breeders Challenge if we pull up all right after Saturday night um, in New South Wales, and then and then whether or not we did come back to the Breeders Crown. But you know, he sort of had a lot for the season already. And, uh, yeah, we just got to, you know, we're just trying to take every race as it comes and then it's how he pulls up to whether we're right to move on to the next one kind of thing. But, yeah, with the chariots, it's it's not high on our agenda, actually, but we'll we'll just see how we keep pulling up because at some stage he's got to get another, you know, reasonable rest into him to let him catch up to himself. That's most interesting. Is that, is that purely due, due to the timing where it is in the year, the, the mile race? Is the Queensland Carnival. What's the biggest reason you're probably um, you're looking at maybe thinking about it? Well, you're not thinking you're going to skip it, but if things work out and the horse is telling you you just want more of a break, that's what you're going to do for him because he's a good horse, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, you know, yeah. Like we've got a lot on a, up up home in our own carnival, and I'd hate to sort of like at some stage, you know, I want to give him another six weeks rest somewhere, so. I'd I'd hate to um, go to the chariot to miss our own carnival at home in our own backyard, and and you obviously got the 
some other big million dollar races too to try and fit in. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot to think about, and and we just but you know we're only just trying to keep planning these races to the horse how he's coping with things. He's done one hell of a job already, hasn't he? He's already a, a two-time Derby winner. If he's able to win on Saturday, he would be unbelievably a three-time Derby winner. But yeah, we'll be fair to Colt 31 because I was up there in Queensland when Colt 31, um, did he break the track record winning the Blacks of Fake? Like, um, he, he certainly went unbelievable that night. So Leap to Fame's got to got to prove that he can do this and then do it as an older horse as well, I suppose, before he goes. He moves Colt 31 on the mantelpiece anyway, Grant. Well, that, yeah, that's right. You know, you know, that's, that's like I say with with uh, Colt Thirty One. That was his key, you know, race from two right through to seven, and and was you know managed to win his last start in Open Company, and you know won multiple feature races for us, and you know first one that me and Trista managed to get to a million dollars over a million dollars. So, you know, end of the day, he, he holds a fond part for us forever. So. Very much appreciate your time, Grant. I know it's a busy, uh, busy week, but at least you sound like you're in a nice environment. There's some birds tweeting in the background there. So enjoy the lovely day. Well, it's not that lovely out there at the moment, but hopefully the rest of the week will be. And hopefully, most importantly, Saturday is a good day. And leap to fame, win, lose, or draw, or dead heat, produces his best for you, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. Cheers. There's Grant Dixon. Um, a couple of real heavy hitters off the top here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. Emma Stewart and Grant Dixon, as mentioned, uh, I think they, well, their friendship really developed up there during the Queensland Carnival. And now, uh, friendly fire, they're going head-to-head rivals in that Victoria Derby final. They're not the only two winning chances, but I tell you what, they're both outstanding. Leap to fame, a dual derby winner and captain ravishing potentially the new headline horse of the sport. But from what Emma Stewart told us, uh, still has to do a little bit to overtake Ladies in Red, who also races on Saturday night in the Group 3 Make Mine Cullen. We're going to go to the news in a moment, but the learning so far, Honolulu Bay in the Victoria Cup. Feels like there's a chance that he might be going back at the start. I think most people mapped him to go forward. And just reading between the lines there with Grant Dixon, he's not conceding yet, but there does seem to be a feeling that He's well aware how good Captain Ravishing is. Time for the news back in a moment. Hello and welcome back. We are, it's quarter time. It's quarter time in this Tuesday edition of Trot's Live as we wind up towards the Victoria Cup. And we've already learned a little bit so far, I think. Um, Big Cat, you would have been taking notes from the interviews with Emma Stewart and Grant Dixon so far. Yeah, well, I actually haven't had, um, had a good look at the races yet. I've seen the draws, but I haven't done any form yet. But um, I expected Honolulu Bay to go forward at the start. So that sort of might change a few things in terms of how the race might pan out now. Well, I think these are the, I mean, these are, we're going to talk to as many people as we can. Mick Stanley's going to be in the line a little bit later and others. And I think you just need to, because right now, most people are going to have relatively similar ideas about these races. And this is why it's so critical as early in the week as possible to get the um, to get the opinions of the trainers and the connections because you know as well as I do we are a couple of the the truly mad mappers in the world that tiny little tactical changes can totally upend races particularly feature races like these. Yeah, um, twenty seven hundred. These horses don't race over that distance all that often, so it's going to be interesting to see how many of them actually want to come out of the gate flat out in saying that um if it was a you know a younger horses type race then a lot of them might not want to burn the gate over the long trip but 
these are seasoned horses who are very experienced, very tough, um, and they all generally have a lot of bottom to them. So, you know, that may offset the fact that it's the long distance and therefore we, st- we still may see a pretty quick first 400. But um, I'm going to have to have a good look over the next sort of 24, 48 hours and sort of work out what I think might happen because sometimes there can um, these races don't generally pan out the way you think they will. No, and, uh, well, they can go one of two ways. Everyone can be a little bit conservative or people are saying this is our chance for a, a big payday and we're going to have a genuine crack at the start. And I'm thinking about a couple of runners drawn wide in the respective feature events. Mildura, not a place that you bet too often. I wouldn't have thought big cat, but we've got one tip there today. Race eight on the card. What is it? Um, so this is the free-for-all, the fast-class race. And... Um I'm stick, I'm going with Bernie Winkle, Bernie. Here, the Mildura champ. Um, yeah, so it looks to be, in my opinion, probably a two-horse race here. The stable mates, Aussie Battler and Bernie Winkle. Um, Aussie Battler has beaten Bernie Winkle uh, several times before up in Mildura when Aussie Battler has led, and I think Aussie Battler will cross and lead again tonight. But if you look at the time, the occasions that the Battler has beaten Bernie. It's generally been over the, the 1700, the short course. When they've met over the 2190, Bernie has generally had his measure. He has been, I think he's beaten him once over the longer trip, but generally Bernie has rounded him up pretty comfortably over the 2190. And tonight's race is the 2190. Um, drawn inside of Aussie Battler is Exelier for Alex Ashwood, but I'm not sure, even though it does have gate speed, I'm not sure it has the gate speed to hold. Aussie Battler, so Aussie Battler does look the leader, but Bernie, it's not a bad draw for him. He's the only horse off the back row, so he can he can just pop off at the start and follow Exelier through. I can't see him settling any worse than probably one out one back, or at worst one out two back, which means he's within a couple of lengths of Aussie Battler. Um, interesting driver change here. Um, Alan Tormey has been doing all the driving on Bernie Winkle for a long, long time now. Um, Jack Law jumps on. Uh, so that's certainly a positive. Jack Law, in the past, when these two horses have met, has been driving Aussie Battler. But um, with the drive becoming available on Bernie tonight, Jack uh, jumped ship and jumped onto Bernie Winkle. So that's obviously a key indicator as well. Ryan Sanderson is, is um, jumping in the cart for Aussie Battler. So I just think the um, the driver change, the longer distance, there's a lot of factors in Bernie's favour tonight, and I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to round up Aussie Battler, uh, particularly if Aussie Battler cops any pressure at all from the two Boris Debchik runners, uh, National Draft and Valox Equus. So that's race eight, number seven, Bernie Winkle. Now we move on to Tabcorp Park Manangle, which is uh, Sydney's metropolitan home. We've got four races we're playing in there. The first of them is the third event on the card, which will come up at one twenty-two, and the favourite here is at two dollars seventy. Lindy's love that we have a pretty good opinion of. Is that the way we're going, or a different way here? Yeah. So Lindy's love, she's been three ninety into two seventy. This is a mare. This is a, a trotting mare that I tipped on here last week, and last week she was two fifty into a dollar forty and got beaten. Um, now I think she's the better horse following speed. She's not. A leader and last week Blake Fitzpatrick held the front uh, over the longer 2300 trip um, which I think was probably an error on his behalf he probably needed to take the sit and then he probably would have won the race but I think today she has the speed to cross to the pegs and then take a sit on a runner from out wider possibly Gunner number eight for Howard Jones but if we do get the um, the map leaders back I think Lindy's love has the sprinting capabilities to still win the race. And I think she might end up being better suited today than last week where she was left high and dry in front. So 
we're going to rely on the map a bit here, but I think if we can cross and then hand up to something, uh, Lindy's love should be too quick for them late. So that's race three, number five, Lindy's love for Blake Fitzpatrick. Now, there was a good, good early go in race five, and, uh, and it's continued on today for I'm Bill's last for Kerry Ann and Robbie Morris, 480 straight into 250, 250 down to 215. Um, if we are backing this one, we better back it soon. I'm sure you already have. If it is this one, uh, big cat, but the punters, they, I, I don't, it feels like not even the 215 is going to last. Yeah, they went up too big on this one, but it, it won't start any shorter than what it is now, I don't think. So there's no need to rush into the 215. It should probably poke back out to around the 240, 250 late. This is a horse that, uh, it's a three-legged pacer. Um, it's done, it's a four-year-old now and pretty much all its racing from its early days has been done with, without the um, the hobbles on. So um, I think I can cross to the fence today. It got caught in the breeze last start in a race where they went 27-4 and then 27-6. So the first half was 55 flat, which is ridiculous for this low grade of horse. Um, but if he can roll to the top today and dictate and then keep bowling along at his tempo, uh, he's a little bit one pace, so he needs to sort of keep running along at constant sectionals. But if Robbie Morris can dictate in front today, which I think he can, and he looks very, very hard to beat in front. So that's race five, number seven, I'm Bill's last. Then we move on to the very next event on the card. Favourite here for Kevin Pesuto and Josh Gallagher is King Tiger. The title is 40, and it has been very well supported. And out the gate, the early favourite, a horse that we've seen here in Victoria on a number of occasions for Jimmy Ratray forever. Yin wasn't wasn't previously with Jimmy Oregon. It was with, um, with Blake Jones and, and Kev at one point. But uh, King Tiger's the favourite, well supported. Is that the way we're going? Yeah, so this is a this is the fast class race of the day. Um, these are generally all metro horses here in this race. And King Tiger, he's only a three-year-old colt against the older horses here, and he's drawn the widest barrier. But he's the one that we're siding with. I think the field here is pretty much all made up of sit sprinters. Um, there's a couple that may go forward at the start, Birdie Jones and Watch Me Dazzle, but they'll then take a sit if King Tiger runs the gate. And the other favoured runners like Forever Year and Summit Special and Be My Rose are all horses that generally go back at the start. So if Josh Gallagher is awake to that, he has the gate speed early on King Tiger to zip straight across them and find the pegs within the first 200, I think. And I you know, can't really see any horse that want to be breezing here because, as I said, they're all sit sprinters. So... They might even go single file in the field of seven and, and King Tiger might get away with murder up front and then can put the foot down from about the six or 700 and, and make them chase. And I think he's uh, good enough to beat the older horses here. He's won eight, uh, six out of eight starts and third in the other two. And I think he's going to go right through the grades to become a, a proper good metropolitan horse as he gets older, King Tiger. So as long as he can cross to the front and dictate, race six, number eight, King Tiger, very hard to beat and uh, I think looks a good bet. We've got one more left at Menangle before we go to uh, Albion Park and Gloucester Park for one race each there. Gee, I'll tell you what, the punters haven't missed with a lot of these races. I don't know what, what's going on with the pricing, but they found another one here. Mick Doltoff, Jack Callaghan, off your rocker crocker. 440 into 260 is hit yeah, the winner. A, yeah, it's another one that they went up too big. They they sort of buggered up a few prices here at Menangle today. It looks a good punting card. But off your rocker crocker, he's... Uh, He's only a three-year-old against some older horses here as well, but he's running against the good ones all the way through. As a two-year-old, he ran, ran against the elite two-year-olds. As a three-year-old, he's only had a few runs so far, but his last start win at Penrith, going 156 home in 55-8, beating a horse that, in my opinion, is one of the best two-year-olds in Australia in Captain's Knock, uh, one of Brad Hewitt's horse. Keep an eye out for it. 
in the upcoming semi-finals and final of the Breeders' Challenge, Captain's Knock, because it's very, very smart. It ran a half in 53 at Wagga the other day. And off your rocker, Crocker beat it last time at Penrith. Um, he has a little bit of gate speed. I'm just hoping he has enough to, to get to the fence and ideally hold the front. But if he, he gets to the pegs and then gets crossed by something, it's not the end of the world, as long as he's not shuffled worse than the leader's back. Um, he's been... 440 into 260. It's around the right price now, and he, and, you know, he holds all the aces from the good draw. As long as he can end up leader or leader's back, very hard to beat. So that's race ten, number two, off your rocker crocker. Reckon he might be a full brother to uh, a horse who might have want to breed his crown at three years of age, Major Crocker. I think the uh, Art Major Aratusa yeah. Last Cross is the yeah. same, is it not? Yeah. So all these crocker horses, they're um, they're all related. They're all out of the mare Aratusa Last. So Major Crocker. Uh, who would now be a 12-year-old, oh, 11-year-old. Uh, he's over in America, um, and he's made nearly a million dollars. Um, he's the oldest of all the siblings, and then the, the latest two to, to come off the ranks are off your Crocker, who's the three-year-old, and Eve Crocker, who is a two-year-old filly that's doing really well in Sydney as well. So it's a very good breed. They've all been very successful. Um, Adam Crocker is another one from the breed. He's gone 151 around Albion Park. So right. um, they're certainly a great breed, and this one looks pretty handy. And uh, Gary Crocker, of course, um, has been the man behind all the Crockers, including off your rocker, Crocker. Now, we can move to the Sunshine State. Albion Park, race six. Better Hope's the favourite there at $1.90. It's also been supported in from two thirty. Everything else has drifted. Have we found another one where they put it up slightly too big? Um, this race looks pretty straightforward. So, Better's Hope is a former New South Wales horse who was with John and Narelle McCarthy. It's gone up to Queensland to join Ron Salas and it's had five runs up there for three wins and two seconds and has been absolutely dynamite when driven the right way. Um, it looks the winner here as long as it's driven quietly and let rip with one run. Little Lionel James, number two, looks the leader. Fast tracker uh, for Grant Dixon with Matt Nielsen in the cart. He looks to be the breeze horse and better's hope from barrier two on the back row. will just follow through at the start, settle in the running line, probably about one out, two back, one out, three back. And he'll just pull out at the 600 and let rip and should be too fast for them. Two starts back under similar circumstances. He went from last to first down the back straight in the third quarter. And I I personally clocked his third quarter to be 25.9 off the track. Jeez. If he can replicate that sort of speed again today, as long as they've bowled along at a genuine enough tempo and he pulls out the 600, he'll just let rip and win. Um, he's been 220 into 190. I think the 190 is actually still a really good bet. I would have thought around the dollar sixty, dollar seventy is the right price, which I don't generally like taking too short a price for a sit sprinter. But as long as the the race pans out as I expect today, then I'm more than happy to take the odds on. And he looks too good for them. So that's race six, number nine, Betors Hope. Well, if it doesn't win, you might be stripped down to your birthday suit, and that is the favourite for uh, race nine at Gloucester. Uh, this afternoon or this evening, a dollar ninety out of two dollars. It's been a move for Peachy three eighty into three dollars ten. Also, Majestic Courtney, a horse we know really well, uh, four twenty into three sixty. So, bit of an interesting betting race. Uh, have we um, have we got one outside of the favourite here, or are we getting all naked with the birthday suit? Um, yeah, just before we go to race nine, Gloucester Park, just want to point out a horse that's running at Gloucester Park in race four tonight. The horse that. The Victorian trot followers will be <clears throat> will be very familiar with, and that's Kimball, yes. a former uh, Matthew Craven trained Group One winner, who uh, it's having its first run over in Perth tonight. I'm certainly not suggesting to launch in at the dollar twenty eight, but it's been a dollar ninety into a dollar twenty eight 
and I expect it to start even shorter. It'll probably start around the dollar fifteen mark. So they totally buggered up the opening price. Um, it's it's a four year old, so it's on track for a golden nugget uh, campaign. And it trialed uh, last week at Pinjarra and got within 0.5 seconds of the track record. So it should be winning tonight and should be very competitive in the upcoming golden nugget. And I'm lucky enough to have a a good share in the horse. So looking forward to seeing it go around first up tonight. Um, on to race nine, Gloucester Park. A dollar ninety. Did you, did you were you able to? I saw that a little bit going on Twitter. Were you able to get the dollar ninety or not? No. Uh yes. Oh, nice. All right. Sorry, race nine. Let's go back to race nine. Birthday suit and go. Yep. Um, I'm actually stepping around the favourite your birthday suit. It's a former Victorian trotter who I don't really have a huge opinion of. I think the best trotter in the race is Peachy, the bottom one, number nine. So. Um, there's a lot of out-of-form trotters here. Majestic Courtney's a former Victorian who's not going much good. Lightning Calder and Fling and Wing are former Victorians that aren't going much good. Uh, Birthday Suit has had a few runs in the West and has won one of them, but I don't really think it's going much good. I think Peachy's got the most ability. She's got a bit of a mind of her own, and she won't be going forward at the start, I wouldn't think. She'll just ease back, and I'm just hoping there's enough tempo and she's close enough in the run. But if she is, her recent form indicates she might be going a bit too good for these. Um, the driver's a bit of a concern, Nigel Johns, but uh, as long as he can get the drive right, I think she might be too strong late and round them up on the small track. So that's race nine, number eight, Peachy. We might even give you a call back on uh, Thursday or later in the week and after you've had a little bit more time to look at this magnificent card on Saturday night, Big Cat, but we very much appreciate your time and good luck on the punt. Thanks, Jace. And just to let you know, this will be my last week for a few Tuesdays. The next two Tuesdays, I'm going to be away in Bali. Um, heading over on a family holiday. So I'll be at Melton Saturday night, so I'll see you there. But then um, we fly out next week, so I'll miss a couple of Tuesdays and I'll be um, sunning myself over there in the 30-degree heat with the, the wife and two young kids. All right, got the same skin colour as me, mate, so 60-plus SPF is what I'm talking about for you over there in Bali. You look <laughs> after yourself. Um, we'll catch up with you when you return. Thanks, Jace. Yeah, there's Matty Levin. I've got bad news for him. I won't be at the track on Saturday night. We're doing uh, the, the hosting of the Victoria Cup from here at South Bank, but uh, I should be available after the meeting. Big cat. Right. It's time for a break. We'll come back. It's going to be a little bit of a Mark Fine situation here. We're going to do a break. About 30 seconds and then another, another break. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to what's going to be one of the shorter segments in the history of SEN track. It's going to go for about a minute, a minute and a half before we uh, go to our final break. Now, second hour, it's going to be big. We've only got 50 minutes. It's not really an hour, is it? It's 50 minutes. Uh, but we will be having Luke McCarthy on the line, Mick Stanley. So that Mick will be talking about Rock and Roll Do, who's one of the favourites for the Group 1 Grand Circuit Victoria Cup. Um, I believe we're going to get confirmation if Gareth Hall is telling us the truth. Uh, on the tweet last night that Luke McCarthy is planning to press the button, push the button a little bit of sugar babes with expensive ego, the favourite in the Victoria Cup on Saturday night. But with your weight confirmation, we've already had some surprises so far. A-Rod's walked in and said, do you just do this show on your own? Are you, like, as though I'm just sitting here doing a sermon, like I'm uh, Kenneth Graham type. Jason Boddington here. Next two hours, I'm just going to tell you some of the things that I think about life and harness racing. Number one, it's good. Uh, no, um, no, we do it with some guests sometimes, A-Rod. So uh, we've had a few today already, and we're going to have, as I mentioned, 
Lukey Mack and Mick Stanley to join us. And I reckon we might have one more guest as well. And hopefully the fields will drop. We already know many of them. The four group ones from the draws that were conducted last night. Uh, Adam Hamilton, myself, and Ryan Phelan on deck to uh, conduct those draws with Stephen Bella, General, General Manager of Racing at HRV and Paul Oxenford. So uh, they all worked out swimmingly, but the other seven or eight races, they're going to drop about half past 12. So we'll get to have a quick squeeze at them before we uh, let you go and hand you over to the trackside boys a little bit later on. Right, final break. Little link up. Come back for the second hour. Don't go anywhere. In fact, you can. I always say this. You can go somewhere for about six minutes, but then you've got to come back. Second hour of Trot's Life coming up. Welcome to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Hello and welcome back to the second hour of Trot's Life here on a Tuesday as we get set or start anticipating the Group 1 Victoria Cup meeting on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park, Melton. It is going to be... I think without doubt, the way the, the calendar's changed, this is now the number one meeting for depth, I think, in Victoria and maybe even Australia uh, for 2022. And a man who's going to play a very big role in the Victoria Cup is Michael Stanley with Rock and Roll Do. How are you, Mick? Uh, very well. Good afternoon, Jake. What do we make of this draw? It's kind of... It was funny. Originally, it's almost like um, it was easy to forget where Rock and Roll Do was. The concentration was on Better Eclipse and Expensive Ego. The more I'm looking at it, it looks pretty good, I think, mate. I think it's a great draw, um, Jace, to be honest, because with him, if I had drawn one or eight, you know, people would say, oh, he's not quick enough. So, you know, that would be awkward if he drew seven too wide. So it didn't really matter where group people were going to find a fault with um, his gait speed and that anyway, weren't they really? So um, to be close enough to the inside, um, you know, is a great draw off the front line, uh, I feel, because we can let him get out as fast as he wants without bustling him and, you know, we're still going to be uh, handy enough uh, there somewhere going into the first end. you got, I mean, the confidence has got to be sky high. So... I mean, I think he was around $7.50 or something. You know, you go through a, a New Zealand Cup preparation, for instance, and there's all those traditional lead-up races. And the horses who win the traditional lead-up races uh, become the top seeds to win the New Zealand Cup. Well, there's been two major lead-up races here, that Group 1 Caduceus Classic and the Kilmore Cup, and you've won both of them. So things things couldn't be going a lot better. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, our preparation has gone absolutely to plan. And um, as you said, he's won both of those races. Um, you know, with relatively something in hand, you know, he's gone across the line of the year plus in, in both feet. So in winning those, he hasn't had to go to healing. So he's had a two-week break in between each run. So he hasn't had to keep going back to the track week after week also. So we... Yeah, we, we have him really well placed. Um, yeah, he's training training on well, um, and and the preparation, as far as preparation wise goes, um, it, it can't have gone better. I can't, I can't, I really can't work out out of those two wins how he's best suited because he looked incredibly dominant coming off the speed in the Caduceus Classic, and then when he found the front and you turned on the afterburners off the back at Kilmore, he just shot away from them. So I mean, this is one of the great things. 
I think everyone now loves about Hendo, and you certainly do, is that he's he's not a one-trick pony. He's got speed. Uh, he's got versatility, and that's what you're probably going to need on Saturday night and in all the big races the horse is going to contest going forward. Yeah, that's 100% right. And I think I touched on that, um, you know, a few weeks ago when talking with yourself after, I think, maybe the Caduceus Classic. Jace, is to be a really high-class Grand Circuit horse, you have to be adaptable and, and versatile, and, and that's what he seems to have. So, yeah, that, you know, that's and that's where when you draw a little bit awkwardly, um, you know, you can have a horse that can overcome it. So, look, we... We obviously need to prove ourselves once more because you throw in horses like King of Swing. Uh, sorry, not King of Swing. It, it, that's just a uh, habit of Luke McCarthy's best horse. <laughs> expensive ego, uh, expensive ego um, into the mix as well. So, you know, it's another test uh, for him. But, um, you yeah, know, I'm... I'm uh, really confident and hopeful that he's up to the challenge. Now, you you can't control what everybody else in the front line is going to do here. But, you know, speaking with uh, Emma Stewart a little bit earlier, it was no declaration, but a, an opening up of the possibility that Honolulu goes back. I wonder whether Torrid Saint almost has to go back from the wide draw and like a wildfire might not be pushing forward either. What would be your best case scenario here in terms of rock and roll? Do Would you like to get a little bit of early cover, then be able to make your move when you want to make it? Are you happy to just be left exposed from the start if that's how things work out? Like, what would be your wish list, your perfect game plan for this Victoria Cup? Um, perfect game plan is is everything else off the front line apart from myself burning for the first two or 300 yeah. and, and, and just sitting... Just sitting out there in the three wide line where I am, and and waiting for the speed to, for them to sort themselves out and the speed to come out, and then and then head forward. I, I'd be quite content to sit outside the leader if I had to, if that um, was the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I did hear that Honolulu Bay and like the wildfire may go back, but it what well, it is Tuesday, so the locking. Um, the lot can play out from mm. now to Saturday, and, and and I'm sure people aren't going to want to produce their ace card this early out from a race. So you know, I wouldn't read a lot into that. But um, yeah, we we've just got to worry about um, you know our own our own tactics and and try and get that right, and and not read into too much of what everyone else is saying around us. Is every day when you when you're heading towards one of these big races, and I mean he's already won a Group One race in the Kilmore Cup this preparation, but when you're heading towards these big races, talk us through what that fortnight is like in between a Kilmore Cup and a Victoria Cup. I, I mean you've been doing it a long time, Mick, so I doubt you get too stressed or flustered. But are you almost at this point a little bit like a footballer wanting to go into a grand final in that last week, just thinking would it hurry up and just get here? Um, yeah, sometimes that is the case. You, you can um, you can get a little anxious and and you, you just want it to be over so you can relax for sure. But um, like most like most stables, you you know there's a lot going on uh, during the week, yeah. so you always have something to to take your mind off it. So um, yeah, so not not really too much changes. Um, it's probably more when you're laying in bed of a night time that you think about it during the day. You, you're preoccupied with, um, you know, all the other things that's going around to, to sort your day out. So, um, yeah, everything will stay, um, you know, pretty well comfortable through the week.
Without doubt, those wins he's already had, as well as the fact that there's a New Zealand Cup around the corner, that's not to say you're not out there and you're not dying to win a Victoria Cup. I know you're dying to win a Victoria Cup, but it must sort of, when you are lying in bed at night, it must take a little bit of the pressure off thinking, if you hadn't won those races and and you're still searching for that really good win with rock and roll, do... I would imagine it's a, it's a more difficult situation where you can probably calm yourself to some degree saying, I'll tell you what, we've we've proven a fair bit this preparation already and there's lots more opportunities around the corner. So, yes, we want to win Saturday night, but there's going to be other opportunities and plenty of them in coming months. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it definitely does take the pressure off um, as far as what we have for the future. And like I said, after Kilmore, we don't have to win the Victoria Cup to still head on the New Zealand Cup campaign. As long as the horse um, races well and, and we feel that uh, he ran up to, to what we think he can under any circumstances, um, you know, we'll be we'll be happy. Because I think out of all the majors, um, you know, for the year coming up, the Victoria Cup is probably going to be the race where a 2,200-metre start at Melton can be really dictated by on-pace, runners so you know if, if an expensive ego gets to the fence and you've got a horse like better eclipse following it's going to be almighty hard race to win over the 2200 where um you know an instant minion a hunter cup over the longer trip um you know uh you're more likely to to win from any scenario so um yeah we won't be too drawn into just wanting a winning result obviously we want to win the race but we won't be drawn into just a winning result as long as we feel the horses ran up to his best. I think you make some outstanding points there. They, definitely, the, that, that middle trip at Melton, the middle trip anywhere, really. If things don't work out a little bit early, then uh, you, can, you can run the race of your life and, and still not win. In a word before I let you go, Michael, in all honesty, don't worry about whether he's going to win. If things don't work out, he may not. Do you think he's the best horse in the race? Yeah, I do. That's all I wanted to hear. That's beautiful. Um, good luck, Michael. He's already had a great preparation, and it was wonderful to see the emotion between you and Brendan James after the Kilmore Cup. Hopefully you get to experience something similar on Saturday night, mate. Beauty, thanks for the time, guys. There's Michael Stanley. Time for a break. We'll come back with another legend of the sport, Luke McCarthy, to talk about expensive ego, Max Shard, and a host of other runners. Um, we expect he's going to tell us that he's going to press the button at the start with the expensive ego, but just hold fire. You're going to have to wait for him to talk. Stick with us. Tuesday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back, kids. Hopefully you're having fun. If you're not having fun listening to all these interviews as we wind up towards the Victoria Cup, I, look, I, I can only help you so much. Um, this is intriguing stuff, and I reckon we've learned plenty already, and I reckon we're going to learn a little bit more right now. We are very priv- privileged to have one of the legends of the game joining us. Luke McCarthy, how are you, my friend? Yeah, how are you, guys? This has been a, um, a special race uh, for you. I mean, all the big races are special to win, but I'm going through yours. I mean, uh, for Dad, John, there was Be Good Johnny back in the day, but Mr. Feelgood, Champion, really important win, and then Frank and Yank. We got four reason in 2013, and bling it on uh, in 2019. Each of those wins, I can remember being special for varying reasons, and you've got an, an opportunity to make some more history on Saturday night, mate. Yeah, as you mentioned, they're all great horses, and you know, and and just what a privilege to be able to have horses like that to race in Victorian Cups and Hunter Cups. You know, it's just 
I love racing in Victoria. Um, you guys do it so well, promoting the sport, and yeah, it's a pleasure to be a part of it again. It's been uh, it's sort of a bit of a funny one with Spencer Vigo trying to work out where he sits, and I know it is completely unfair um, to make you compare horses. And uh, if you if you give me a little bit of a just a, a backhand volley across the net, I'm more than happy with it. But when comparing expensive ego with some of your other very very good horses a few of them we've just mentioned where does he fit in in terms of the type of horse he is and is he right at that level because we're talking about some amazing horses you've won the victoria cup with previously yeah look i I love him i I think i think everyone if you can just get it like turn your mind away from any run passing in dominion you know you had them couple of runs in melbourne Won the Casey Classic, lost on protest, but it just wasn't back to where he was from the season prior. Like, he sat parked and won the chariots in 48. Like, not many horses can do that. He'd had a fantastic year, went to Melbourne, won the APG. Um, then he come out and won all three heats in the Dominion, and, you know, we all know how good he went in the final as well. So, off them runs, like, even King and Lewis couldn't get near him in the interfinal. So, you know, I think when he's at his... At that level, he's as good as, as any of them. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? He's he's absolute best. And uh, I know Adam Hamilton was referencing, referencing the um, the Chariots a fire win as well uh, last night during the barrier draw. But that win in a heat of the Inter-Dominion series, the one over the mile was just absolutely, completely staggering. So his absolute best is, is right at the top of the tree, which is what you're saying, Lukey. Oh, for sure. And like... He broke the track record of Bathurst in a in a midweek of the heats. You know he's a great horse, and you know he sat outside King of Swing in the Miracle Mall and got beat half a length. So look, I'm a big fan of the horse, and you know he had a lovely spell and he's come back good. He jogged around the trial in 49, um, then was really nice first up over 2300. You know couple of weeks ago so he's ready to go and we've come up with a good draw so we're looking forward to it so there was a bit of conjecture last night I said it's always going to be because we don't know exactly what the plans are with these horses I expected that you'd probably make the decision from the good gate to press the button at the start I believe uh, um, good mate Gareth Hall might have been in contact last night otherwise he was he was tweeting without consultation that you would probably press the button and you're here now to confirm it hopefully that, that that's what you will be doing yeah, 100%. He's, I mean, if you watch the replay of the Miracle Mall from this year, he actually got out of the gate really good and um, ended up obviously having to take a sip because King of Swing led. But um, he gets out better than you think. And from the draw, we're, we're going to be very aggressive early. Is he, does he, I'm just trying to think when you have really uh, race him off the gate, whether he, whether he gets fiery or you've got any issues there, or is he a real professional racehorse these days? Oh, no, he, he's, got, he's turned into just a beautiful racehorse. Like, even in the Inter, like, Sal strode him out strong. Like, obviously, Bronco Benjamin, very high gate speed horse. Only just just got across him, you know what I mean? And, and he was obviously... Sal wasn't in too much of a rush either, so he just worked around the front when he needed to. So, look, he gets out good, and... Yeah, we'll, we'll charge as hard as we can. It sounds ridiculous, Lukey, given what the horses achieve, but I can almost hear in the tone of your voice that you, you really want to come out here and, and, and prove a point in a way on Saturday with expensive ego, not for you, but for the horse, so that people actually recognise how good he is, come down here, win a race like the Victoria Cup, and then go on with the job with whatever his targets are coming up, just to prove to everybody, look, you know, you might have seen a couple of his down runs and, and you want to pot him, but I'll show you how good he is. 
Yeah, I, look, I, I love the horse, and you just try and have them as healthy and fit as you can for each individual big race. You know, it's not so much about proving a point or anything. You just you're just there to do a job and and the big races, winning big races is part of it. So look, we, you know, we're hoping. Oh, I'm sure he will go well in the Vic Cup, and then we're hoping. He's at he's top of his game for an Inter-Dominion. You know, we'd love to win an Inter-Dominion with him and we'll just set him for all the big races. Now, I know you wanted to get Max Shard into the end of the race as well. I'm wondering, I mean, I think, well, you can tell me whether there's a little chasm between the two of them, between Expensive Ego and Max Shard. Max Shard's a really nice horse. I wonder whether you're not horribly disappointed by that draw because if things don't work out for whatever reason early for expensive ego, or they go extremely quickly, or there's some unforeseen mid-race pressure, it might not be the worst thing in the world being back there with Max Shard. Oh, no one wins from back there, Jay Bond. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it was back in the day. I think for a reason was, was a fair way off the speed, but it, hasn't, the game yeah, that, cha- hasn't the game changed even from over the last like five or ten years, though, in terms of that? Yeah, and that night, the lead time was, I forget exactly what it was, but it was electric. It was smoking up, and they were just burning a flat out for a whole lap, and then, yeah, it did bring the backmarkers into the race. So, um, but, it's, yeah, Max Shard draws, you know, one or eight. I think he's a great chance. Um, but from that draw, you're going to need a lot of luck. But he, look, it truly is staggering, though, because so many of the horses, we saw this even in the, a couple of the farcical heats of the, um, of the Oaks on Saturday night, how many horses can now run a 54 half? So, I mean, that's the reason why you can't be back, isn't it? Because you can absolutely obliterate the timepiece and make up three metres and finish second last. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, the, everyone's training their horses so well for a fit. And if you're up on the tempo and, you, you know, it's just it's just how it is now. So, yeah, it is just hard to make ground from back in the field unless it's an electric lead and is that the uh, is that the plan with expensive ego? Pretty much, we'll get through the Vic Cup and then and then reload and reset and uh, charge towards that Inter Dominion Series later in the year and try and get again. You, you're not talking about proving your point or redemption, but the narrative and the media will be all about redemption if you're able to win the Inter Dominion Series with him, mate. And that that'll be that'll be the um, the task at hand, I would imagine. Oh, for sure, and look like. It's all of our dreams growing up in the sport to win an Inter Dominion, and um, we haven't won one yet. So we'll, we'll we'll keep trying as hard as we can until we do. And you know, we think we got the right horses for the series this year. Obviously, Lewis has missed this race, which is only a minor setback, but he'll be there prime for the Inter Dominion as well. Uh, now, the final question before I let you go, I very much appreciate your time, mate. Um, the last time I asked this question to Emma Stewart, uh, she said Captain Ravishing, so I have to ask you, we know you've got expensive ego and a big job at hand in the Group 1 Victoria Cup on Saturday night. Is there a young one at home that is also very much exciting you that we might not know a hell of a lot about that we need to follow? Not really, Jayvon. We sort of we actually had a couple of years off um, buying a heap of babies because we just were heavily involved with these older horses in the Grand Circuit and the Stallion. So we did buy up last year, which is, you know, your rising two-year-old. So I think we'll hopefully we've got some really handy ones out of that crop. But no, nothing nothing outstanding for you to follow just at the moment. It's not a feature race meeting if Luke McCarthy and Belinda McCarthy are not involved. So it's great to have you here, mate. It's great to be on the back end of this pandemic. And good luck on Saturday night, brother. Yep, thanks. Thanks, guys.
There is Luke McCarthy, and uh, along with uh, his wife, Belinda McCarthy, they'll be trying to win the Victoria Cup. And I've got to tell you, there was something very worrying for everybody else about that interview. Um, Lukey Mac wasn't out there saying, we're just going to win with the best horse in the race. There's no chance for anybody else. But the calm, clinical, well, that was, that, that's, that giving me a shiver up my spine. I've got a funny feeling expensive ego is going to win this Victoria Cup. If he's able to find the front here, and I'll tell you why, just having a quick look. We were doing this last night during the barrier draw. If he's able to find the front, I reckon he can go 51-ish, obviously. Uh, the times that he can run over the mile at uh, Menangle, you'd think 51-ish. He might not need to have to do that, though, because better eclipse coiled up on your back. Copy that if he makes the race three poles. Um, then you've got Rock and Roll Do looks to be the only runner. The only run, the only other runner in the race that can put any pressure on. So Rock and Roll Do would then have to sit parked outside Expensive Ego, apply pressure, and then, I mean, and the pressure I'm saying would have to, now I'm looking at it again, the pressure would have to be utterly brutalizing to bring anybody else into the race. Better Eclipse, yes. The only little concern for Better Eclipse, and I spoke about this last night, he's got that sustained speed. He can pick up quickly, but 150 metres is a remarkably short time when you hit top gear up that sprint lane at Sabcorp Park Mountain. You've got to, it's got to be push button. You've got to start to make the ground. An expensive ego would need to have been softened up to some degree. Honolulu Bay. Maybe they do choose to go forward. If they do, and he really blazes off the gate, that's where the race might be made for somebody else, or maybe even Honolulu Bay himself. I love Like a Wildfire and Torrid Saint, but I feel like their draws are going to make life too hard. Better Eclipse is unlikely to hold up from the pole mark and draw. That makes life hard on copy that, and we don't think he's at his best anyway, at the moment at least. Bulletproof boy. Um, he would have needed to draw probably one or eight as well. Same goes for Mac Shard. Mac Dan. Uh, big, 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 big task after a while off the scene. Triple eight. I think that draw is going to make life very hard. If they went ballistic, I wouldn't totally ruling him him out, but they'd need to go. They'd need to break land speed records. And Max Delight, tears. We've been telling everybody to back Max Delight at 150 to one or 100 to one and $20 the drum. And if he'd drawn well, he definitely could have placed and maybe even won this Victoria Cup. 13's lucky for some. I don't think it'll be lucky for the defending Victoria Cup champion, Max Delight. Time to go to the news. We'll come back. More interviews still coming your way right here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life as we are five days out and the clock is ticking towards the Group 1 Grand Circuit Pride's Easy Feed Victoria Cup at Tabcorp Park, Melton. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and I've got to tell you, um, it's, it's going to be a long week, but it's obviously started long. I said there was five days until the Victoria Cup. Well, if you're waiting for it on Sunday, <clears throat> you'll have missed it. Four days until the Group 1 Victoria Cup, sponsored by Pride's Easy Feed. Final interview, this one brought to you by Garrard's Horse and How the Best Stock at the Lowest Prices, and he's just walked in the door. Bernie Hewitt, how are you, mate? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Uh, things are going extremely well at the moment. You've had a, a great season to date, but... I mean, uh, you've had great horses and been a great trainer over a long period of time. So you know what a good horse looks like, and I'm guessing you're pretty confident you've got a good horse here in Rip. 
Yeah, look, uh, he's shown us a fair bit right through, right from when we broke him in, and um, and you know, early days as a two-year-old had had a uh, start, and then unfortunately had a bad accident and um, in the paddock and went through his ten, and so. But we knew back in those days that he he was well above average, and um, you know he's come back then uh, some nearly 12 months later, and and you know went on a winning spree, and uh, unfortunately went a bit pear shaped up in Queensland during the winter. But he's back now. That was his first run back um, on uh, last Saturday night, so in the Derby heat, so he went really well. Well, that's I mean, looking back at it, even straight after the race, and look, I I. I knew he was a good horse, but he opened or well, started $21, and that was the reason, I think, that we just hadn't seen him for a while and thought, well, whatever he does here, he'll, he'll improve upon and all the rest of it. You must have been – well, you couldn't have been happy with what you saw on Saturday night. No, that's right. Um, I watched it on TV. I wasn't, wasn't down there, and, um, you know, we were tickled pink with his run because, uh, you know, obviously they run uh, solid sections throughout the race, which suited him where he was, like but being that far back running last. But, uh, you know, when you analyse the race, that Dougie had to drag him off the wide barrier and, and ease him all the way back to last and um, and then, you know, start a searching run a long way from home. Um, you know, there's a lot of credit in the run and, and obviously the horse that beat him had a, a, a pretty cosy run for fence and got out at the right time and was too good for him on the night. But... Yeah, certainly a lot of credit in Rip's run, yeah. Were you pretty confident that um, he had that start staying prowess? I mean, people sometimes talk about some beach somewheres and um, that they're better sprinters. And the, the, the Dan, the mum, Musical Delight, was a very, very speedy customer. And Rip had won two group ones already <clears throat> over the mile. As you mentioned, we didn't get a real good side of, of what he could achieve uh, in the Queensland Derby. Were you confident going into Saturday night? No, he's strong, he's got bottom, he'll stay a trip. Yeah, I was. Yeah, he, he uh, actually, um, you know, even in the Queensland Derby, he drew 12, I think, and he was back to last there and, and started a, even a longer searching run that night um, and run the trip out really well. But obviously it was a bit further the other night, 2,700. But um, he's, he's always been able to work a strong mile and a half here at home in the heavy cart. And um, his work leading into this run has been, um, even though it was first up, it was really good. We just gave him one trial over a mile here at uh, Bathurst just to sharpen him up and, and get the uh, cobwebs out of him. But um, he'd been doing a fair bit of, uh, you know, long long work um, outside of trials and um, I was pretty confident he'd run a big race and the only doubt was, you know, where he was going to be in the run and, and how the race was run. So, you know, I was pretty confident he can run a trip and... It's just a matter of getting him to settle. He, he was a bit of a sunbeachy type early, you know, when they get up and run, but uh, he's settling quite good now. Now, big decision for Dougie to make, though, in the final here. But Catchawave comes out as the first emergency, let's say hypothetically, because that's the most likely scenario. <clears throat> you know around Tabcourt Park, Melton, that being on the pegs is worth its weight in gold, but you also know that Rip is very, very strong. We saw that uh, last weekend. So what would you expect to happen? I, I, I'm I'm going to guess stick to the pegs and weave magic, hopefully, in the concluding stages? Look, I'd, I'd imagine that's probably the, the way to go. I haven't analysed the field yet. I've just got it up here in front of me while I've been talking to you again. But um, it's one of those races, isn't it, that, uh, you know, you expect probably Leap the Fame to work forward. And um, honestly, I, I haven't gone through the rest of the form, but it could be uh, it could be a godsend staying on the fence and getting luck because he can spring quite well as well. Um, and, you know, he, he could get buried there and not get a clear shot. So 
I think we'll just wait and see if the, the reserve comes out first, have a couple of plans up our, up our sleeve and just see, um, see what happens as the week progresses. Do you, do you sort of see um, this being a bit of a blessing? So the narrative heading into the race uh, is going to be largely about Leap to Fame, the Jewel Derby winner and Captain Ravishing, this potential freak show. Is it, is it, is it an advantage to go into a race as a sleeper, so to speak, where everyone's focusing on those two horses. Maybe they're trying to get each other beaten and that helps you to some degree, Bernie? I think that's the case for most runners that, you know, outside of those top two, um, if they can get the right sort of trip. And obviously a lot of those horses haven't drawn real real flush, so they, a few of them would be pretty disappointed with their draws. But I think that's the thing, you know, you go in as a bit of an underdog and, and you can just sort of, um, you know, drive, the, drive them the way you want in nice and quiet and just hope that um, hope that there's plenty of speed on and hope that things open up. So I think that's the case for a lot of the runners in the race. Um, those two have certainly got the runs on the board, Leap to Fame and Captain Ravishing. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that'll probably be the way um, a lot of the trainers and drivers attack the derby, yeah. Now, before I let you go, final question. You have trained a lot of good horses over the years. Where does he sit among them? Oh, he's certainly up there with the best, if not the best. Um, You know, as far as what he's done so far, obviously his form doesn't look super at the moment, but um, just what he's shown us at track work right through, he's uh, certainly up there with with some of the best um, geldings I've ever had anyway, cults or geldings, and, um, yeah, hopefully we... We've got a few others there that are coming along, so hopefully we can sort of start comparing them later on. I'm assuming the tendon's 1,000%. He's, he's, he's good as gold. He's never had a bit of heat in it since they did Jeez. the job on him. Um, never had any change in it at all. So obviously we know what can happen to good tendons, so it's always a worry, any, anything like that. But um, they did a magic job on his tendon when they... When they stitched him back together and, um, you know, it's never been a minute's problem. So hopefully, um, you know, that stays that way. Now, I said that was the last question about eight questions ago, Bernie, but I've got one more for you because I don't want to bury the lead. You told me there's a couple of young ones at home that you hope there'll be some comparisons. I want, I want, I want one name that stands above the others. Oh, well, I've got a nice filly here. She's already a two-year-old filly. She's already won um, four Group 1s uh, between New South Wales and Queensland. Since she started racing in uh, early March, uh, I think it was early March she started, or no, it was a bit earlier than that, in the pink bonnet in February, I think. So, she's uh, she's one that's really stepping along, and um, and I'm uh, all going well. Like I'll have her down to the um, Breeders' Crown down there a bit later on. Uh, I think it's in November, yeah. So, she's probably one that's standing out, and as I say, um, she's done a terrific job. Victorians, everyone, be frightened. Bernie's coming down with his two-year-old filly uh, a little bit later in the year. Good luck on Saturday night, mate. I think it's going to be one hell of a race, and um, you've got a lot to be proud of and a, and a lot to look forward to with this horse. I'm glad to hear his tendons all sorted out because that would have been a tragedy, a horse of his ability. Not that he would have been he would have been the only one that it's ever happened to, but if you never got to see him fulfil his potential, it would have been a tragedy. So we are getting to see that now, mate, and good luck on Saturday night. No worries. Thanks, Thanks for that. Okay. There's Bernie Hewitt. It's time to go for our final break here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. I'm just about out of breath. The voice c- continues to deteriorate, but it's holding up. You know why? I'm a warrior, just like all of the starters in the Group 1 Victoria Cup on Saturday night. Back in a moment. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington.
Hello and welcome back. And um, I, what, a, what a great sign it was uh, of how far this voice has deteriorated that um, the lovely and extremely kind and generous Bernie Hewitt after that, uh, after that interview um, said to Geordie Canellis in here, was that Jason that I just spoke to? Because I, I, I thought that can't be him because it doesn't sound like him. Well, that's what happens. Um, I'm trying to, I've got to get, I've got to stop talking for five minutes. It's not, it's not working out well. Right. Race one, the fields have dropped. Uh, I've got a few minutes left. The fields have dropped for this amazing meeting on Saturday night. Race one is the group three Vic Bread Platinum Pace. Might skip over that one. He's ideal and obviously an interesting runner for Emma Stewart there. Uh, October rain, gate speed. Yeah, that'll be a hard race to work through. Pride's Easy Feed Pace is the second event on the card. Um, good event this. Uh, uh Prince has drawn outside the second row under the preferential conditions. LB2 Chains is back from a break pool the other leg, otherwise known as Tom Tommy. Uh, young Tommy, the 13-year-old uh, Wunderkind, is going to be a big part of the uh, Racing.com coverage on Saturday night. A few, uh, few stories done last week with him up in the caller's box with Dan Malecki, not to give too much away. Mate, my calendar group three level ladies in red will be winning, but it's going to be a great race uh, with uh, Doug's Babe there. Moments like these, all the old... All the old rivals. Tough Tilly, yes. Treachery, good race. But ladies in red should be winning race for the home field for the three-year-old trotters. Harry Stamper draws one. Plymouth Chubb, Cravash Door, Balter. First leg of the quaddy. Garrard's popular arm free-for-all at group three level. The consolation race really for the Victoria Cup. Uh, my mate, Hooli Nian's drawn Paulie wide on the front row. The return of our millionaire. Longfellow and Phoenix Prince, all for Emma Stewart. Wish I'd known they were all there. Would have asked Emma about them. But, look, she gave us plenty of information that we needed on the big, the biggest races of the night on Saturday. Seb's Choice also returns outside the second row. Uh, Tango Tara and Crime Rider both draw well off the front. Race 6 is the Victoria Derby final. We've spoken about it. Uh, Captain Ravishing versus Leap to Fame. I think Captain Ravishing will be winning. Bill Collins trotter sprint at Group 1 level. Queen Elida for me. I think there's going to be stacks of early pressure off the front line there. Uh, we know how good Olivici is, but I've fallen in love with Queen Elida. Victoria Cup. Pride's easy feed. Victoria Cup at Group 1 level. One or two. Better Eclipse or Expensive Ego. Leaning maybe towards Expensive Ego now all of a, all of a sudden. Luki Mack has twisted my arm without even trying to. Victoria Oaks, Oaks final at Group 1 level, also sponsored by Pride's Easy Feed. Um, more looking at Amore Vita hasn't drawn too badly here. Amore Vita can just, doesn't need to get revy, doesn't need to get into a bad position. Behind leader, three poles. Just just hope have a good crack at the start. They're the things we've got to work out. Race 10 on the program. He's the penultimate, the Alabar Vic Bread Platinum Homegrown Classic Final for the Baby Boys, the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And Emma Stewart has not been backward in coming forward, telling us how good the lost storm is. So we'll go that way. I've got a bit of an opinion of Little Louie, but drawn uh, awkwardly wide on the front row. And the final event on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park, Melton, is the Alabar Vic Bread Platinum Homegrown Classic Final for the two-year-old Phillies, the freshman Phillies. And on first inspection. Alicia and Jay is obviously going to be hard to beat once again for Emma Stewart. Gee, Emma and Clayton are going to have another big night, aren't they? It always seems to happen. Um, the greatest trainers uh, rise to the top on these big nights, and I think Emma and Clayton hold a very, very, very strong hand, but 
They'll be wanting to win the big ones, won't they? Uh, the Victoria Cup, the Derby, the Oaks, these sort of races. It's going to be a big build-up all the way through the course of the week. Toby McKinnon will bring you Wednesdays with Wombat on Trot's Life tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday to further wind up, and we'll get more information as the week goes on, so there'll be more people to talk to and catch up with as we head towards uh, the Victoria Cup. Burning questions also on Thursday. Friday, the Friday form panel with Dan Malecki and myself. And don't forget, Saturday night... Across the uh, across the Channel 7 network and on racing.com, we will be broadcasting the Victoria Cup meeting, all 11 races, well, 10 of them as a matter of fact. I think we might just miss race one on the card. You can have Ryan Field and Adam Hamilton and myself in the studio. Out there on track, Michael Giran will be there. Gareth Hall will be there. Shannon O'Sullivan will be part of the broadcast. And, of course, the great Dan Malecki. So much to look forward to. It's time for me to take my leave of absence as the boys are no doubt ready to rock and roll. Sammy Holland's taking a big sip of water just to prepare his vocal cords for the next four or five hours on trackside. Jordy K to join them and Cam Luke about to take over the desk as well. Thanks for joining us. Very special edition of Trot's Life today and good luck on the punt. Make sure you don't miss a winner on trackside going forward.